Support comes from Mosby Building Arts, a design-build company committed to remodeling the right way. Visit callmosby.com to get project inspiration for any room of your house. It's Friday, September 22nd. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. To meet climate goals of net zero carbon emissions, every part of the economy will have to make cuts. That includes finding greener ways to get our stuff. Barges move products with a, a much lower carbon footprint than rail or certainly trucks. Coming up, St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmidt explores the transportation sector to find if barges are a solid alternative. Police have caught a prisoner who walked out of a South St. Louis County hospital early yesterday morning. Authorities say they captured Tommy Boyd last night in South County near Watson Road after leads from the public. Local, state, and federal officials mounted a massive search after he walked out of Mercy South Hospital. Boyd was serving a 30-year sentence for statutory sodomy. He was receiving treatment at the hospital before escaping. A Department of Corrections spokeswoman says the agency is investigating how Boyd was able to leave the medical facility. The hospital says two corrections officers were with Boyd when he arrived. A St. Louis County Republican is leading a committee examining whether there could be alternatives to St. Louis's earnings tax. St. Louis Public Radio's Jason Rosenbaum has more from Representative Jim Murphy's appearance on Politically Speaking. Both St. Louis and Kansas City have a 1% earnings tax for people who live or work in either municipality. Murphy's House Committee is exploring whether the tax is helpful or hurtful. While St. Louis leaders have defended the earnings tax as necessary to keep city services intact, Murphy says there could be reasonable alternatives. If we did uh, enterprise zones where we said, if you came in and built a business here, we would exempt you from the earnings tax. If you build a new home in the city, we will exempt you from the earnings tax. Missourians in 2010 passed a ballot measure requiring St. Louis and Kansas City voters to reauthorize the earnings tax every five years. I'm Jason Rosenbaum, St. Louis Public Radio. That episode of Politically Speaking is at stlpr.org. Child care funding from federal COVID relief efforts will go away by the end of the month, affecting centers in Missouri and Illinois. About 70,000 throughout the country could close. Downtown Children's Center in St. Louis Executive Director Shauna Lamont says the center could face long-term consequences without the money. If things continue without that funding, it gets really harder and harder to pay the staff wages, and I'm not going to even say really great wages, to pay them kind of minimal wage. She made the comments on St. Louis on the Air. Missouri allocated about $80 million in federal relief funds for pre-K this year. The Illinois State Board of Education is considering further tightening the rules for restraining and isolating students in schools. Reporter Nareda Moreno has more. A working group is proposing new changes after lawmakers restricted these practices in 2021. The goal now is to clarify the rules around isolation and restraint that dictate the types of rooms that can be used. Here's Brian Metcalf, the state's director of student care. Having these guidelines that have required ceiling heights would naturally exclude the use of things like closets for restraint and timeout. The state is also proposing a mediation process to resolve concerns early on and wants to make clear that laying students in a prone position is now prohibited in any setting. That's reporter Nareda Moreno. 
A federal disaster declaration has been approved for more than 30 Missouri counties following severe weather in July and August. That includes Crawford, St. Genevieve, Iron, and Madison counties. Governor Mike Parson's approved request includes more than $14 million in expenses already identified. The declaration clears the way for federal aid to repair roads, bridges, and reimbursement for emergency response and recovery costs. The Missouri Historical Society is collecting artifacts from the Greater Ville neighborhood and the Mill Creek Valley area in St. Louis. Historians want to preserve and showcase much of the area's black history in upcoming exhibitions. St. Louis Public Radio's Andrea Henderson reports. The Historical Society wants to highlight the historic black neighborhoods to share their stories with people across the region. Historians are exploring different institutions, the people who live there, and black-owned businesses that once served the area. Cecily Hunter is a historian with the Society who is collecting information on the Greater Ville. Things that we might not think are important because we use them in our daily life, Those are the types of items that speak to the day-to-day experiences, and those are important stories that we continue to want to make sure that live on beyond the generation that existed in that community. Hunter says it's vital that local institutions highlight Black history to expose people to the experiences of the city's Black communities. I'm Andrea Henderson, St. Louis Public Radio. Another pro soccer team could be in the works for St. Louis. City SC Chief Executive Officer Carolyn Kindle says a squad in the National Women's Soccer League is on the ownership group's radar. She made the comment at a Sports Business Journal conference this week in St. Louis. Kindle points to the quality of female players in the region and the potential to give them opportunities. The NWSL is planning to add another franchise for the 2026 season. The Mississippi River is a transportation powerhouse. Some 60% of U.S. grain exports float down the waterway, along with plenty of soybeans. Much of the infrastructure that supports barge shipping needs updating. St. Louis Public Radio's Eric Schmid reports this has some wondering if those investments are worthwhile given how climate change is affecting the Mississippi. On a recent sunny day near Granite City, a towboat slowly maneuvers 15 barges tied together down the Mississippi. The whole vessel is about a quarter mile long, and the barges are filled with either animal feed or oil products. But barges can move a lot of other goods, too. Rubber, scrap metal, resin for polymers like paints, varnishes, glues. Paul Rohde is the Midwest Region Vice President for the Waterways Council, an organization that advocates for barge transportation. It's all about capacity. He says it would take more than a thousand semi-trucks to carry the same load as 15 barges. Barges move products with a, a much lower carbon footprint than rail, or certainly trucks. Rody cites a Texas A&M study from 2022 that finds overall the carbon footprint of barge shipping is nine times smaller than trucking, and it's about half that of rail, which is why Rody says we need to ship more things by barge. But Olivia Dorothy with American Rivers isn't as sure. She says that system-wide analysis of emissions misses the nuances of moving goods on different waterways. Just like cars, you've got different fuel economies and emissions when you drive in the city versus when you drive on the highway. And we believe that's the same thing for our rivers. These are important distinctions, Dorothy says, because the Mississippi River changes a lot. For example, going downriver here near St. Louis, it's the last place where barges go through a lock and dam. 
The lock is like an elevator. Barges going downstream come in and are lowered to the water level in front of the dam. It's a process that takes time, and in terms of carbon emissions, it's sort of like a truck idling at a toll booth, and it's one reason the environmental advantages are in question. But Dorothy says there's another reason, too. These dams that we have to facilitate navigation are themselves emitting large amounts of methane. She says they slow down the river's flow, meaning things like leaves, tree limbs, dead fish, or algae settle in the riverbed and break down. If that sediment is disturbed by anything, that methane then becomes released into the atmosphere. But just how much of the greenhouse gas isn't clear. No one's ever done the mass balance. Jonathan Remo is a professor at Southern Illinois University Carbondale who studies how humans affect large rivers. He's working on a model of the methane emitted from the dozens of locks and dams along the Mississippi north of St. Louis. Without that information, Remo says we don't have a full picture of how green barges really are. Not having the complete information is like getting a loan and not having what the uh, interest rate is. And it's not just the Mississippi River with locks and dams. Rivers like the Illinois and Ohio, even the Columbia and Lower Snake in the Northwest have them too. Many of them are in dire need of updates or repairs. The federal government is spending billions of dollars on infrastructure for ports and waterways to keep these transportation systems running. Remo says he hopes his research will be a tool to help manage our rivers and other countries. That may want to develop their rivers like we have here in the United States and have the whole cost accounting of what that could potentially mean for their greenhouse gas footprint. He says it's a way to know with more certainty if barges are a solid climate solution for the shipping industry. I'm Eric Schmid, St. Louis Public Radio. Our Brian Moline edited that report. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.